Yeah, Halloween fell on a weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys are trick or treating. Robbing little kids for bags. Till an old man got behind our ass. Okay, let's actually start this podcast. Hold on a second, I have to add one more note to my Is this not the podcast? (laughs) Good point. Hey everybody, this is the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. This is Bill. This is your 99th. uh, You guys have problems, but 99 episodes of the Boy Howdy Podcast, I guess, is also one. That was a really hilarious joke from my co-host of 100 episodes, Bill Mudrick. Yeah, Yeah, next week will technically be our 100th episode, except that I will be in Texas for my little sister's wedding, so we're not going to be able to do anything. Though, to be fair, our very first episode on October 20th, 2011, so long ago... It was not the Boy Howdy Podcast. It was not the Boy Howdy Podcast. We d- did literally literally no research whatsoever. We're like, oh, we should call it Indoor Kids. What a great name for our podcast, how descriptive of how we are. And we recorded our first episode of the Indoor Kids. And I registered, like, IndoorKidsPodcast.com yeah! or whatever. Yeah. And then, like, just casually Googled, oh, this is absolutely taken... I remember we podcast. hit the stop button on GarageBand, and we're like, oh, that's a pretty good episode. For a first episode, that's not too bad. And then you, like, Googled in Indoor Kids to see what the URL should be, and you're like, oh, shit, there already is an Indoor Kids podcast. And not only that, but, like, that week's episode, they had, like, Richard Linklater or some kind of, like, celebrity <laughs> guest. Like, it was not just, like... They're uh, an actual <laughs> podcast. Yeah, like, they have guests and stuff, whereas we're... <laughs> And see, but I love the fact that the fact that we did not do literally the five seconds of Googling required to do that amount of research, that set the that we did not do, that set the tone of professionalism that we maintained exactly. through hundred episodes. Uh, by virtue of the fact that you can see my user icon on this week's video feed, I couldn't even figure out how to make it my face. So now it's Isabel from Animal Crossing, because I <laughs> I don't have any other pictures on my desktop that I can make a user icon. So, oh. the week after that will be, when we actually record our 100th episode when I'm back from Texas, will be our, technically our two-year anniversary of being the Boy Howdy Boy Howdy podcast. podcast, yes. So. This is, this is a little bit of how, like, Mystery Science Theater 3000, they would kind of ignore their first season because it was terrible, so they kind of count everything down from, the, like, their second season. This is what we're doing. So, October 27th. Well, technically October October 26th will be our two-year anniversary, but we'll, Whatever, we'll be recording guys. on the 27th. All that's that important, weekend will be two years. All that's important is that we've officially decided that uh, listener Sean Baker is our favorite listener. Sorry, all of their listeners, because he very sweetly sent us a $100 Amazon gift card in honor of our 100 episodes. Yeah! Out of the blue, he... He texted me last night while I was talking to Maxwell Motley, and I'm like, what, what's going on? He's like, oh, yeah, here's 100 bucks. Like, holy shit, motherfucker. Oh wait! Did he uh, also I, I, send you? Uh, did he also send you a hundred dollar gift certificate? No, we both got like we both got the email for us, so we you know we split it two ways, oh, fifty okay. bucks a piece. Right. Uh, but I was joking with him. I was I didn't realize you would get the email. I thought the email was just only sent to me though. It wasn't until you sent me the email saying, "Hey Bill, did you see that Sean Baca sent us hundred dollars? I already redeemed it because I was thinking about buying like a hundred dollars worth of like slide whistles or penny candy." Mm-hmm. But you robbed me of that dream. That's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so what? You're gonna put that? You're gonna put your extra fifty dollars towards the PS4? Well, you know that was my plan, but the reality is, is that it's our Amazon account. We use our Amazon account all the time. So yeah. I already used it uh, to buy. Uh, I pre-ordered Byzantium for my wife. <laughs> Which is a terrible movie. It's a terrible vampire Uh-oh. movie with Gemma Arterton and what's her butt from Hannah. Wait, what's it called? Byzantium. 
Wow. It's by the dude who did, uh, what's the... So you bought a movie for Foley with your, with your uh, boy Howdy money. It was a whopping $9. And then oh, okay, I okay, bought, okay. uh, there's one of my favorite authors that we've come across on Ladylike Book Club is this lady named Megan O'Brien. And uh, she wrote this great book about a uh, Iraqi war vet who falls in love with a veterinarian. It's my favorite one. And uh, we got this great email from a boy howdy or from a lady like listener who said you have to read her her book The Three. And I was like, why did I never even look at that one? And it's like a bisexual post-apocalyptic adventure. And I was like, all right. So guess what, Sean Baker? You bought me a, a vampire movie for my wife that she will just use to ogle Jim Arterton. And uh, a bisexual post-apocalyptic adventure for me. At least this will make for good to a boy howdy conversation, though. Yeah. Well, I was going to get uh, $20 in Xbox credit so I could buy the Fables game from Telltale that came out this week. But you can't use an Amazon gift certificate to buy another gift certificate, which technically is what that is. So I wound up just downloading it anyway. Did you know that you can't use credit cards to, to get cash out of an ATM? I tried that this week. It did not work. Are you, Bill? It's it's your card. It's not the that that is literally what ATMs are for. I, I was gonna pay my tax money to the government with a credit card, and they're like, no, you need need to actually use real cash to buy a money order with this. And I was like, oh yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, I've I've never had a credit card before this month, so you know I'm I'm, I'm learning the ropes. Uh, so with my uh my fifty dollars. I mean, God knows, I have a huge Amazon wish list. I have a thousand things I could have bought with that the, the, my $50 share of Sean Baca's uh, gift to us. Uh, but instead of buying something that I would have just used for myself... Well, no, I did buy stuff I would use for myself. But instead of buying the stuff I would have bought immediately off the top of the head, I splurged on two things which I was interested in, but I don't know if I would have bought with my own money. Mm-hmm. Like, if, 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 like, if... You know, that kind of thing. Uh, there were two books I did find online, uh, both about skeletons and ghostly shit, which I thought was appropriate because it's going to be Halloween. And hopefully these books will arrive by the time we uh, record our uh, next podcast right before Halloween. Uh, one is called Heavenly Bodies. It's a picture book of uh, saints that have been mummified, and they're still all in their kind of like crowns and jewels and shit like that. Like the, the, all, the, all the saints that found in the catacombs beneath Rome and another picture book just about death rituals all around the world. Hmm. And so hopefully I, I'll get those and that'll be interesting. Boy, howdy conversation in two weeks. So I think it was seasonally appropriate for that stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, I, I, though Sean Baca was not actually able to buy me a Wolf Among Us, I did use it as an excuse to justify my purchase of Wolf Among Us because I'm like, well, whatever next thing actually ships from Amazon from our pre-orders, we'll, we'll use the balance and it'll kind of cosmically, fiscally, you know, work itself out. Because I played the demo for Wolf Among Us at um, PAX and I really didn't... <laughs> I talked about it before that I liked it and I didn't like it at the same time because I felt I feel like in a lot of ways Telltale is finally starting to figure out how to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I think the art direction that they went in in both Walking Dead and um, uh, Wolf Among Us, though they're really just trying to ape the comics that they're based on, is brilliant. It's it's absolutely playing to their strengths like that. It's not even it's not that cell shading. It's that tr- trying to go for that pseudo inking, and it allows them. It covers a lot of the um, uh, 
just their, their, I mean, frankly, the fact that they can't afford to do all these crazy bells and whistles, the simplicity pays off for them. Mm -hmm. It's really appealing. I mean, I, I it's think still, it's... it's it's still the same art style from The Walking Dead, right? It's I've heard that said a couple of times, but it's I mean it's an evolution of it. They're trying to base it more off the Fable comics, which so makes that sense. Yeah, it, it's not quite the same hatching. It's like a different inking style. The colors are very. Oh, different. but it's still the same. Like because I've seen the screenshots, and at first glance, it looks just like uh, The Walking Dead. But it's interesting if it's still the same idea, where it's three dimensional characters skinned with two dimensional, like. Yeah black and white artwork, but it's... No, at least now the line art is done more in the yeah the Fable style rather than whatever the Walking Dead... Are. I've never read the Walking Dead comics. I don't know what that art like, artwork looks like either, but I don't know, whatever. So. It's, uh, it, what's interesting is it allows... But I'm sure the to... characters still move like puppets and stuff, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's still it still looks like a Telltale game, but yeah. it's... Uh, um, I, I'm enjoying it so far. I've only played a little bit of it. It's... Fables I enjoyed, but it frustrated me because I like the first issue of Fables because, or the first volume I should say, because it's just a straight up mystery um, yeah. with Big B, the protagonist, the big bad wolf, as you know your archetypical, uh, hard drinking, hard smoking, um, uh, flat foot, uh, you know, with the dame next door and all that. But and uh, so it was very enjoyable, and then eventually it turned into something else. And last night when I stopped reading, it was like this whole Middle Eastern conflict parable sort of thing, and I was just like, okay, all right, thanks, Fables. I got what I needed from it. I got the hunky werewolf pining for a uh, woman for 400 years. Um, so and I moved on with my life. But uh, yeah, this seems to be playing to all the parts of Fables that were enjoyable, but at the same time, it's still obnoxious in the way that Fables were, and that it's like, or Fables was, and that you know. Sometimes it's a, the the world is a little too on the nose. Like the in the game, this uh, you come home as Big B to your apartment, your shitty little apartment, and there's pig wiped out on your chair, and uh, he's like, you know, like, oh, well, you know, give me a drink, it'll make up for the huffing and puffing you did a few hundred years ago, and it's just. This is gonna sound dumb, but that was some yeah. really that was not terribly naturalistic dialogue from that uh, anthropomorphic pig in this video game. Here, let's have a conversation where I'm just gonna clunkily drop in references to the legend that we're from, just so you know who uh, who I am, why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, the same. They did also the same thing with the woodsman who you have a fight scene at the beginning of the game. I get what they're Wait, doing. The, what, and the get... woodsman from Snow White, or uh, yeah, or the woodsman oh, from okay. actually the woodsman from uh, the Big Bad Wolf. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood, the woodsman who chops open uh, the big bad wolf's belly and fills it with rocks. Oh, and okay, 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 yeah. Street. Yeah. So, so yeah, in the world of fable, have have they not gone through the motions of their of their stories? Because yeah, by I mean, the wolf should be dead then at this point. Like, it's very hard to kill a fable. They're all more or less immortal, as I recall. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like a Sandman kind of thing then. So. As I recall, and it's been a while since I've read it, the power and strength of a fable is directly linked to their popularity in popular culture. Well, that's just like so, Sandman then, with the, everyone yeah. believing in the gods, and the gods who have for, forgotten are either dying or dead, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, that's what's going on in fables. I started playing it, and Fully goes, so we're playing this because the protagonist is a hunk, right? I'm like, oh man, Fully's never read fables, and I was telling her about it. She's yeah. being adorable. Um, yeah, and uh, I like Big B. I always liked Big B, and I always wanted to remove Big B surgically from Fables. Uh, I like the, his whole thing is that yeah, so he's the big bad wolf, and he's trying to live a better life. Just one and, second, hold on. Go ahead, keep on going. 
Yeah, let me piffle for a while while you go off and do whatever you're doing. Uh, the, he uh, uh, meets Snow... So what happens in Fables is they all live in this place called the Homeland, and something goes terribly wrong. There's a war that happens there. So these Fables have this exodus, and they go from that world to our world, and now they've been uh, they've been living amongst humanity in New York, then New Amsterdam, well, even before it was New Amsterdam, since for the last 400 years or whatever. Um, and they're more or less mortal, and uh, they've just not... They haven't really been blending in with humans. They've been kind of living on their own in an ice isolated community, and yeah. uh, anyone who is like anthropomorphic, or like an animal in form or something like that, or any way not able to pass, they either have to pay to have a witch cast spawn them so they can pass, or they have to go out to this farm that's out in the middle of nowhere where all they can all be themselves. And that's like where giants oh, okay. are and that kind of garbage. So um, uh, when there is this exodus happening, uh, Big Bad Wolf meets Snow White, and Snow White... It, he 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 smells her and he sees her and he knows that she's his mate. I'm gonna this is gonna sound dumb when I say it. It's actually really romantic and maybe I'll trip it up. Where she, and and he just like knows that she's his mate and wolves mate for life. You see, so he spends like the next 300 years pining for her until and he like he and when he moves to the city he starts smoking because you know the smells of the city overwhelm him, but also it's to dull his senses so he can't smell her. Yeah. She's there all the time, and he's just filled it's with It's very noirish. Yeah. It's super noir romantic, aching, like, you know, it's so good. The rest of the book is really bad. So is Fables as comic done yet? I think as it's a comic, going, is Fables dude. done yet? Dude, they're like okay. 18. By the original creators? Uh, well, Bill Willingham is the writer, and he's still yeah. riding that train. They've gone through a bunch of different artists. In fact, um, uh, <laughs> the... I don't want to be a dick, <laughs> but I'm gonna be a dick. I try really hard not to be a dick on this podcast because you 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 carry that uh, a banner well enough in your own build. This is but true, yeah. The um artist that's been on Fables that I think he's still on it, and I was on it when I stopped reading. Does this weird thing where he doesn't draw people's everyone's mouths are always closed, and they all have like these super long upper lips and like. Mm, like this grimace, like maybe they'll smile like a little bit, like you know, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Except when they're shouting, and then they're just abruptly like have giant maws, and I, it was one of those little ticks. You know, every artist has their has their little things that they fall back on. Some people like to hide feet behind bushes all the time, or but yeah. It's one of those things. Of once I started noticing it, I couldn't stop noticing it. Yeah, you'd that's have bad when it's distracting. Yeah. Yeah, or you'd have like a whole scene of two characters having this heated dialogue, and they're both <laughs> they're all just mouths. like. Hmm. And I was just like that. Oh, it was just so obnoxious to me, and I couldn't unsee it. I had eyes to see. So have these guys been sued yet by the producers of NBC's Once Upon a Time for copyright infringement? Considering Fables is twelve years old, and also an idea that everyone has had a billion times. Uh, have they been sued yet by Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods lawyers? <laughs> have so they Bill, been sued by blah blah blah? Yeah. Bill, I follow Anna Kendrick on Twitter, and she's been posting pictures from Into the Woods. How angry are you about this production? I think we've talked. Oh, about every this. time she tweets, I threaten to kill her. <laughs> I she'll, she'll tweet, she'll be like, oh, here I am in the woods with Chris Pine, being chased by Chris Pine through these beautiful autumnal English woods. And I tweet at her, uh, what's her name? Wait, what's the lady's name who we were talking about? Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. I loved you in Pitch Perfect, but I will send a nuclear bomb to your house if you don't quit this movie right now. 
<laughs> Don't you dare ruin this really kooky Stephen Sondheim thing that only three people liked that was produced 25 years ago that no one actually really cares about except for me. Uh, no, 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 no. She's, I still think she'd be, she's going to make a pretty good Cinderella. And actually, no, the, the, some of the stuff she's been posting, just this, because they're actually shooting out in the middle of the English forest in the middle yeah. of October, so it's really beautiful. All the shots she's, well, she hasn't been, uh, been posting photos much of anything but the forest that they're in, which, considering it's into the woods, you, you would hope it would look good. It does look pretty goddamn awesome, that location yeah. they're shooting at. So. It's pretty gorgeous. And as long as she gets to sing uh, Ghetto Boy songs in the movie, I'll be happy. <laughs> She's just going to look at Chris Pine and say, I like the way you work it. No I shall do... <laughs> no diggity indeed. She'll try, to do, she'll try to do the cops thing, but it will... What, what did they use in medieval time instead of cups? <laughs> Goblets. <laughs> Goblets. Here's my song called Goblets. <laughs> They're harder to stack. Yeah, I know exactly, yeah. They'll fall over and just creates more of a mess. Um, anyway. No, I'm glad to see so Fables, uh, the first episode of Fables, pretty good. I'm only about halfway through it. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. It's Can't not... you wait, like, a month to just buy it on the PlayStation 4 so it'll be in, like, 120 frames per second and, like, 3,000 HD resolutions? Because that's, that's, that's Telltale's strong point, yeah. I would, I would really honest with you, I was yeah. going to give it, I was just going to wait and see and whatever. It is much as I can tell myself, yeah, I don't want to play that game about a werewolf detective, why would I want to do that? <clears throat> no, that, that's Annie Beat right there. Um, no, but honestly, more than anything else, I saw a um, delightful friend of the podcast and my internet daughter, uh, Sid, posting that she wanted someone to play it so she could have someone to talk to about it. And so I woke up this morning Aww, and I looked at Foley yeah. and I'm like... That's always a good excuse to... to play anything, a social dynamic, yeah. Yeah, well, I have to tell well. you, so, segueing artfully into the other game, uh, featuring a narrative-heavy game with quick-time events I've been playing, I've been playing Beyond Two Souls this week. And I gotta say, more than anything else, the thing that bums me out is the fact that my wife has literally no interest in it whatsoever. Just none. She is just not having it. And it makes me so sad because it's not a good game at all. I think it's actually weak, considerably weaker than Heavy Rain. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, but wow, it's okay. mostly bumming me out because... How is it worse than Heavy Rain? Because Heavy Rain was pretty goddamn bad. I'll get to it in a second. But what really bums me out is I really want to talk to someone about it. And someone that I respect who I know has the same point of view as I do for the most part. And so she's just like, you know, I'm like, hey, let's talk about... And she's just like drawing or like she's got her headphones in or she's doing something else all together. And I was like, but I want to talk about this dumb video game. <laughs> so here's why it's weaker than Heavy Rain. Um, heavy Rain at the end of the day <clears throat> was just... It was. I mean, it has the same serious problem of Heavy Rain. It shares all of its flaws in that it is poorly written, and um, the gameplay mechanics only really work if you buy into the tension of the moment, and frankly, if you don't fail a lot and therefore um, drain all the tension from the moment. Um, it's hard to have a fight scene where, you know, you're getting people, you know, amped up about this character being in peril when you just fuck up indefinitely, and it's just, and have to redo it, and it's just bad. It works if you're into it, and you're 
digging it, but and if you're feeling it, but at the moment you start failing and have to do it again, and the wheels kind of come off it, and instead of feeling like this moment of action and urgency, you're more so than in any other style of game, I think, because it just feels so transparently what it is, which is dra- I mean, like, what's it called? What was the terrible Don Bluth game, Dragon's Lair? Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's Dragon's Lair. It is. It's just, it, it, you feel, if you're not being directly engaged and buying into the moment, buying into the fantasy, then it just feels like, since the entire game is floor-to-ceiling quick-time events. How far into the game are you? I don't know. I'm. I play. It's hard to say how long I've actually played because I keep pausing it and walking away and like okay. getting distracted. Is the story but, any interesting? I mean, have you gotten to like the Afghanistan parts or anything like that? No. It's all told out of sequence. It's the memories of this girl, oh, okay. and it's one of those things where you. I, I'm still enjoying it, and I'm glad I spent my money on it. I don't regret throwing sixty dollars at it, but um, it's one of those things where. There's a part of me that always wants to applaud a game for showing, for making, asking a player to engage in someone's normal life, especially someone's normal life that may not be the normal life of the player. Like, yeah. to have a game where you have to do quick time events to uh, slow dance with a boy and play with Barbies is kind of interesting. Like, that's, Is that something you actually do in the game? Yes, those are two things that... <laughs> See, that's, I, that, that's cool, yeah. It's a, it's a unique kind of role-playing at that point. Yeah, yeah, and, like, the kind of story there... Like, the char- I, I like the idea of having this girl and this mystery, and that's all very cool and interesting, and I like that, and I want that to happen more. But it's so clunkily done. Like, the story is so... Bad. It's so poorly written. There's one scene yeah. where um, you've grown up in isolation uh, because of this 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 thing that has happened to you, this ability that you have, and you are uh, this woman, and you you live on this um, uh, research base, and one of the woman one of the women who's a researcher in your lab invites you to her daughter's birthday party just so you can get out of the lab and hang out with some people your age, and so you go to this party and you're in this terrible dress that is like totally out of date and doesn't fit you super well. It's not totally flattering. And your father figure gives you a 50-year-old copy of Poe to give to this teenage girl. It's like setting you up to fail from the start. You're just like, oh, game. You see all the indicators flashing of exactly what's going to happen. You go to this party. The mom leaves. So it's all these shithead teenagers who immediately get drunk and start smoking pot. And, like, there's a, it's a, you, are you going to drink? Are you going to smoke pot? And then there's a boy. Are you going to flirt with the boy? And the whole time I'm like, this is going to go so carry so quickly. I'm just counting down to carry time. and so ready. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, they immediately, like, abrupt, there's, like, a really awkward ramp up of this boy kisses you and dances with you. And it's like, okay, that feels about as naturalistic as the rest of this game, which is say not at all. But, um, the... Then they immediately call you a slut and a witch, and it's just, and then like, uh, like this is while you're playing as Willem Dafoe, right? <laughs> That's correct. Who clearly <laughs> is a slut and witch? Let's be he honest. He just shows up dressed like the devil. Was like, yes, I am the biggest slut in this room. I shall <laughs> so, fuck you all now. What, what is kind of great is that you're in the, you escape the situation through this really dumb, like really poorly done sequence, and you're there. You have this moment. There's a quick time prompt. You can either Press square to leave. Just leave, weeping into the street. Or you can press X to revenge. (laughs) (laughs) 
So what? Press I was assuming you hit press X to revenge. So what happens then? Uh, you go carry on them. So here's yeah. the thing. So I like the idea oh, of this whole terrible. the idea of this like telling the story of this girl and and asking you to live this nor it's like in heavy rain. I think No, yeah, that's why heavy rain mm. was effective was in asking you to live live the lives of these people, the more mundane moments of these people's lives. And then bringing to the question their mental state and like, could do you know who they are and is this all an act? Are they essentially like, are they as connected to their actions or as you are the player making them do them? Is it just some motions that they yeah. go through to present a case of normalcy? Are they actually this killer? Like that's all kind of interesting to me. And I think Heavy Rain, though it had the slight bit of fantastical elements and like the super sci-fi stuff, it was still a very grounded game. It was this murder mystery shit. And I don't think they pulled it off necessarily, but I think all the mundaneness and everything and the normalcy and the quick time events and the urgency, I think, worked in that context a little more. And this game has a supernatural element. <clears throat> and I think the the gimmick is that there are two characters. There's Ellen Page and uh, his character's name is Jody. There's Jody and then there's um, uh, uh, Aiden. Aiden is this... Um, non-corporeal entity that is linked to her. And you can switch between the two controls. And I mentioned last week playing the demo, what I thought was interesting was to have this sequence, this kind of, you know, boilerplate um, uh, horror sequence of, like, this disembodied entity fucking shit up in a room and everyone's frightened. Yeah. Like, it was interesting to have that sequence and to be the agent of chaos in that moment and <clears throat> to have the motivation, because you never know what the motivation of that disembodied speaker or that disembodied entity is that's fucking things up until later in the narrative, to basically rely on a gamer's willingness to, to be chaotic because they can to build that scene. And just basically knowing that there's this unspoken thing with a gamer where if you put them in a situation and yeah, they're going to try to break things, yeah. Exactly, to kind of um, capitalize on that chaos. I thought that was an interesting idea. So th I think this game would all have been more effective, though it would have been boring and, and, and much shorter and stranger. Were you just Aiden? Were you just Aiden, or excuse me, Aiden? Aiden watching these events unfold and being this disembodied... Like, Aiden is the gamer. Like, literally this disembodied entity not connected to this world but linked to this character who yeah. is just... Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it, yeah. Like, but having... Splitting it between Aiden and Jody just... It doesn't work as well. My connection to Jody is so much less. Since she's a part of this world, I feel like she should be able to interact with more of it, which makes the artificialness of, well, there are only three things in this room you can interact with. It makes that a little more jarring than it would be otherwise. I, I don't know. It's just... I, I think it's interesting. It's still an interesting... I think it's more of a failure than Heavy Rain. It's an interesting failure, I still think. I'm, I'm really excited that this week the two games I'm playing are narrative-based, like, quick-time event sort of games with a focus on characters and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I think and that are different. Like, that's enjoyable to me. I would want that to be something I could say every week. It's just, I, I, it kind of bums me out that I'm playing two games that I like maybe intellectually and that I find interesting and want to talk to people about, but I would not say I actually like them, you know? You know what I mean? David Cage kind of seems like the George Lucas of video games, where 
he means well, and he means to do his kind of experimental stuff with the medium a little bit, but his reach kind of exceeds his grasp when it comes to the human elements. Very much of so. The stories he's telling. Yeah. Um, he's a terrible he's writer. A terrible yeah. writer. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's the worst. And this is in gaming. This is video games. The 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 like the the standard of writing excellence is pretty low. Video well, that's the thing. If you're gonna if you if you're gonna have games that are filled with so much of this like mundane stuff, where everything is framed by all this mundane stuff, that writing has to... You can't get away with just, like, writing bullshit. That stuff has to be well-written in order for people to connect with that stuff. And especially if you have relatively mundane people as characters, there has to be... You have to have a certain skill as a writer to pull that off to make those characters interesting and still believable, and See, not I just... Think... I think the, the tricky part is, is that if you're shooting for normalcy in order to juxtapose normalcy with, like, the supernatural element... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better fucking get normalcy right. Everyone knows what it's like well, that's to what talk, I'm saying, yeah. You know, and David like, Cage seems to have a hard time just even, even making that initial connection with, with gamers. Yeah, it's so... Uh, Whether it's the... it's He hires the wrong voice actors and everyone sounds like they're French-Canadian trying to be from Philadelphia... Or it's just really stilted, just acting, or just, just like I still like evening. I I didn't get very far into Heavy Rain. I only got part. I only got really past the part where Jason gets kidnapped. But just the whole opening where you're just walking around the house, like putting out the plates for your son's birthday party. Everything just seems so stilted, and the environment just seemed to be so uh, just sept, uh, just 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 antiseptic and just kind of robotic. And it just it seemed like you were living in this animatronic Chuck E. Cheese. Playhouse version of reality where I don't know, it just didn't seem real and you couldn't emotionally connect to it. And if they they couldn't get that right, then I don't give a fuck if Jason gets stolen because I don't have no connection to Jason or this this guy's life or anything. I don't know. It's just see, it's yeah. funny that that's how you reacted because I felt <clears throat> I that I was able to connect to that moment in that place in that I was able to inter connect to the things in that world like that mm -hmm. house and the way I can interact with it with it felt pretty right to me, but it was the people in it that felt wrong. Like, I liked that your wife comes in, and she asks you to help, and if you don't help her, then she's like, well, fuck you, then. Whatever. I liked that yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. But when you go back in the backyard and play with your children, and, like, it's just, it didn't work. And again, it was yeah, one of those things where it yeah. works if you succeed, if you successfully do the gameplay prompts, but if you fail them, then it just feels empty and false and wrong, and yeah. it's just... And it well, that's just, the thing. When, when you're, like, when you're, when you're just playing as a character who's blowing up stuff, it's really easy to be distracted by big set pieces and explosions and special effects, whereas if you're trying to recreate mundane life in a video game, that's actually that. Seems if anything, that's a lot harder because you have to get the details right. You have to still make things engaging for the player, despite the fact that they're doing these relatively mundane things. Uh, you're automatically going to lose a lot of gamers anyway because a lot of people just on the on the surface are going to look at something like where you're in the background in in your backyard playing with your kids as why is this in a video game? I don't buy. I don't play video games to do this shit. So you're already kind of losing that audience. And if you're even losing the people who are going out of the way to commit to this, like, who will say, like, this is actually a unique gameplay experience, playing with my kids in the backyard, and if, it's, if the game's not designed well enough to even keep those people entertained, then why the hell are you doing this any, anyway? It's just kind of... It's an interesting idea, but if the execution isn't... You have to be really skillful with that execution, or otherwise you're just going to shit the bed. Yeah, like, see, the reason why that sequence worked so well for me was I liked that it was... I mean, it was such a transparent thing that it was, yeah. is that that moment and that sequence was so polished and bright and and 
<clears throat> straightforward and like this perfect like veneer of what life should be and then you've got the you know cut you and then and, and then you're you know the sequence where you lose Jason and then you're in your shitty apartment and you have this very deliberately conscious parallel to that earlier sequence where it's like ah oh, the kids are here I can make a dinner and maybe I'll play with them or whatever and it's just such a that was something where the mundaneness and the mundaneness of those actions and the simplicity of that gameplay was able to evoke an emotional like an emotional resonance where I was like oh man like without him saying anything or you know any sort of internal monologue telling feeling just like that whole scenario told me everything about his life and how far it's fallen and I thought it was a really effective way for you know that environmental storytelling and that just the, the gameplay evoking an emotion without hitting me over the head with it but it was like it was very I mean it wasn't subtle it was I mean it was, he goes from this beautiful bright house to a rainy shitty day in a rainy shitty apartment and making his son leftover pizza I mean it wasn't it was as subtle as a hammer to the head but it was not, I don't know, it was just like, it was what it was. And in heavy, and in, in beyond, he's going for subtlety, but he keeps fucking up the normalcy and fucking yeah, up the interactions. Yeah, yeah. And it's all the more jarring for being from people who can act. And like, Ellen Page, bless her, is doing the best she can with what she's got. But you have all that and that sort of familiarity, the familiar, literal familiarity of these people that I am familiar with acting on the screen. And then you've got like weird... I'm really disappointed because one thing that I thought, it's, it's cheap, but there have been a lot of jump scares in the game of these monsters. You learn that there are these monsters yeah. and how they... And they just showed the monsters and they look just kind of dumb. I w they could have... They, well, they could have figured out a way to just not show them, and yeah. it would have been so much more interesting had you gone maybe even the entire game without seeing them. It would have been cooler. I don't know. I mean, you can't really do that. I get that, but I don't know. I like these games. I do. I like them. I buy them. I would. I would say the Heavy Rain and even Beyond Two Souls are games that I am grateful to have played and I'm glad are part of my diet and I do not regret playing them at all. But the whole time I'm playing them, I'm just like, you are so close and I want you to exist and succeed so someone else can do it correctly. You know, can get it yeah. right. So. Oh, do you still see, is there a nude scene with Ellen Page in this game? Uh... I had seen online what looked to be screen captures from a nude scene with Ellen Page where she's taking another shot. It's, it's just like, well, who's the main who's the main lady in Heavy Rain that you could see naked because oh, she's taking the shower? Yeah, I can't remember. There was a the gratuitous journal. shower scene. I don't know if this is all mock-up or I, like, I can't imagine they would actually get in, uh, have CGI naked Ellen Page in Beyond Two Souls, but I have seen what uh, people have purported to be naked Ellen Page taking a shower in Beyond Two Souls. They've pointed pretty... <laughs> with all the subtlety of a David Cage narrative, it's implied heavily that there will be a relationship with this other character later in the game. So mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if we see if I have some sort of sex scene. God help me, there's going to be quick time events, I bet. Man, so that's the one thing to go from playing Beyond Two Souls to playing... Uh, uh, the uh, Wolf Among Us. It's really funny that there are these sequences where, like, well, this should be a quick time event. Like, Bigby leaning over and turning on a faucet so that yeah. he can wash his face. Like, I feel like I should have to be, like, pressing the button to reach for the faucet, pressing the yeah. button to turn it. 
you know, a right trigger, left trigger to splash my face, you know. It's like it's really funny to then go from that game to oh, a game hilarious. where it's like, nope, little cutscene. Don't watch Bigby wash himself. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So, but I, have to say, more, uh... it feels, I, I think that all those quick time events can be cheap in 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 Beyond Two Souls, but now to go from a game that asks me to engage with every single moment and element of a character to a game that does not is kind of interesting because I feel less connected immediately to Big B because I'm not being asked to perform those actions. But on the other hand, in Beyond Two Souls, there have been some moments, particularly in fight scenes, where there's been a climactic action to the fight scene that I was not asked to perform that I just saw happen. And... Mm -hmm. That's all the more jarring. I know that it's like something where it's like they, this is a moment that you cannot fail, and they cannot let you fail for the dramatic push of the sequence. But I would almost rather they ha prompt me for a quick time event and I fuck it up, but they just make it happen anyway, because to have like this in this long fight sequence that takes me about four minutes of gameplay of all these quick time events, and then what finally takes the bad guy down is an action that I did not do is way more jarring than anything else. So, yeah, it's interesting. Highly recommend people play Beyond Two Souls and Wolf Among Us at the same time for an intriguing contemplation of a, what this sort of gameplay can be. So I take, this, this, I take it this means that you've abandoned GTA V? Yep. Yeah. Did you play any of it this week? Nope. How far into the game did you get? I finished my first heist. Okay. I, I was... Oh, and oh, I'm on Trevor now. I'm, I yeah, got, that's when Trevor gets introduced, yeah. Yeah, Trevor is just such a character that makes my skin crawl that I just... Because he's such a deliberate and gleeful cartoonish psychopath. Just because he's a bug-eyed maniac who only has one emotion? <laughs> yeah, it was just like... I, I just... I don't know, man. I think I may have gotten to the point where I don't... Grand Theft, I can't forgive Grand Theft Auto games for their bullshit anymore. Uh, if it's any consolation, uh, Trevor kind of takes over the whole last two-thirds of that game. Uh. Where you're playing a lot of Trevor, and even when you're not playing as Trevor, Trevor shows up in cutscenes and just keeps on yelling at you. Or if you're playing as uh, Franklin, you're just kind of sitting there watching Trevor yell at Michael. <laughs> That's kind of every cutscene for the rest of the game. Um, I actually kind of like their commitment to what just the two-dimensional jackass Trevor is. Well, that's um, the only kind of character that makes sense in a Grand Theft Auto world. Yeah, Trevor is kind of like the 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 perfect GTA character in that he is just just this damaged jackass who just wants to hurt people and blow things up and make yeah. money. Yeah. See, like, you can't, um, you can't really... It was the whole Nico Bellic problem, where Nico Bellic didn't make sense in that world because he's this guy who's trying to start over, and he doesn't want to yeah. kill people in world anymore in a game where you, the player casually and blindly kills hundreds and hundreds of people. You know? you got to have a Trevor. Trevor's the only yeah. character that makes sense in that context. Yeah, it's... it's, it's I, I actually finished the game this week, and I... I'm still kind of weirded out by how much I like Grand Theft Auto, despite the fact that, like, by if you put together all of its constituent parts, I should not like it, because, like I said, the characters tend to be kind of flat and uninteresting. Uh, the gameplay is still kind of Grand Theft Auto stuff. They, they Things fit uh, fit together more interestingly because you're doing this high stuff and you can switch between different characters, so that means within uh, these heist missions, you're doing a, there's a much wider variety of things that you're doing mm -hmm. than you would be in most missions in other Grand Theft Auto games. But yeah, it's still just... Uh, the game is still way too long. It takes about 40... It took me about 45 hours to beat the game. Um, but still, I had a good time. 
Uh, I, I love still just driving around the, the vast world of San Andreas. Um, See, that's the it's, thing. It's, it's like, it's, I do, I like that kind of gameplay. I do. Yeah. I like, I, I, I like the exploration. There I is like no gameplay. joy to that game, though. Yeah. Uh, the only joy you could really take away is if you're really kind of getting into the Trevor character and the joy of him kind of blowing things up, because the game still keeps on bringing you down where, um... Trevor is. Have you have you had any cutscenes with Trevor where he hunts down Michael and he's yelling at him for for faking his death and stuff? No, no. I, Trevor still has it hooked up with the main part of the narrative. Oh, he yet. eventually hunts down Michael, and that becomes they essentially keep on regurgitating that same cutscene for almost every cutscene for the end of the game. And the weird thing is, Mike uh, Franklin, the black guy, essentially he doesn't drop out of the game, but he like he all kind of character development and his kind of story just kind of stops. And uh, the most of the story gets handed over to Trevor, and it's kind of weird. Where I don't know, it's 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 the writing of that game is really disappointing. Which, which is which is to say, it's it's exactly consistent with every other GTA game. Yeah. So. Oh, great. But just from it. a, I still had fun. You know, the like piloting submarines and flying helicopters and stealing shit from army bases and stuff, and like I said, exploring the world and listening to the great soundtrack and stuff. But yeah, and it also has. Yeah, it has an ending where you get to choose from from three different endings of the game, just like Mass Effect Three. I chose the ending where everyone, um, biologically is united with Trevor and becomes part Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone in the world suddenly gets really bug-eyed and angry and balding. Yeah. And balding, they kind of look like Wiley e. Coyote. Um. I don't know what you would choose if you when you get to the end of, uh, of Grand Theft Auto Five. Uh, so you, you know think what? you probably played all the Grand Theft Auto Five you're ever gonna play? I was gonna say I may never find out. That's not true. Like I said, I did enjoy. I don't know. It's. Um... I would say if you enjoy playing the game, though, like I said, the especially once you have uh, Trevor, Michael, and um, I already forgot his name. Black Franklin. guy. That's how memorable he is by the end of the game. Franklin. By the, t- by the time you have those three characters working together on heists and stuff, the fact that you're jumping between three different characters working together on the same heist, like, you'll have one character who's doing the shooting, another character who's, like, driving the getaway car, and you'll have another character who's, like, driving a tank or something like that. And the fact that you're do- on the fly switching between these three different characters in one mission is really fun. It's really cool. But, yeah, it's it's the cutscenes that bookend those experiences are just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, Grand Theft Auto. See, it's like, I feel like at the end of the day, what are we going to do? Criticize Grand Theft Auto for being Grand Theft Auto? Like, am I shocked mm-hmm. that it's a Grand Theft Auto game? Uh, I... there's still, there's like no redeeming female characters in the game. All the characters in that game are either just, just humorless it's... bitches or ice queens or just people out to fuck you over and... I, I, I bought a Grand Theft Auto game. I can't complain about it being a Grand Theft Auto game. So just stop uh, playing. Did you... Did you uh, ever get a lap dance or anything like that, at least? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, I went home with one of my honeys. Are you kidding? Okay. I mean, that's like a half hour. That's like a half-hour commitment of lap dances is in order to convince one of those ladies to go home with you. Not if you do it right, son. I do like that we have to touch the lady and make sure that you're not caught by the bouncer. Did you do that whole thing? Yes. Yeah. No, Cheetah yeah. came home with me, son. I know. I know how it's done. Cheetah? Cheetah. <laughs> yeah, girl. Oh, so yeah, that's... Yeah, so that was my Grand Theft Auto experience, but Grand I don't know, what Auto. else? So, to artfully say... I'm trying to think of anything else I have to say about that. 
Uh, something entirely unrelated. Um, I did something very cool on Friday. I took the day off work and I went and I got a tour of uh, Leica Studio. Uh, they're oh, the really? stop motion animation company that did uh, Coraline and Paranorman and the upcoming film The Box Trolls. And it did was you get, a was really it a tour cool with Vera? Yeah, Vera got us in, and okay. uh, Foley and I went, and it was really very cool. I gotta say that was pretty fucking badass. Uh, I've been a when I was a little kid, I really, really liked animation. We talked about this at length, and I still do. But um, I really liked stop motion animation because I liked the physicality of it and like the idea that these things had physical weight and physical presence, and just frankly, the asinine amount of work that it takes <laughs> to get it done was always fascinating to me. And um, uh, it was so cool to get to go see it all in, in the flesh and like walk through the paint department and walk through like seeing all the texture of the hair and everything yeah. and like see Did it you get person. to see this box troll stuff? Oh yeah, I mean I saw we went through we went and saw like everything from models to um like it is a fascinating process. I highly recommend Googling it and watching some they've got some videos on it. Where the bodies are all um kind of more traditional, um posable armature, you know, and silicone and like that sort of stuff. And the back of the head and the hair yeah, will all be that. Stuff, yeah. But the faces, they actually they do all the facial animation in three D and then do three D printing of the faces and the faces are all attached with magnets. And the 3D printing is actually a color 3D printer. So they can do things like, you know, crazy freckles and everything and have all that be consistent from facial I don't realize they're actually color. I thought maybe it was they, they were just creating... I thought they had to paint that stuff. I didn't realize you were doing color 3D printing for that They'd stuff. have Jesus. to to get those details right. Yeah. So it's crazy. They'll make, you know, when you think about it, 24 frames per second, man, and they'll make, like, all, they'll ha they have all these faces that they put on these characters. It's really, really cool. So they showed us the 3D printing room, and they showed us the prop department, and we got to see sets, and we got to see some filming happening. It was really, really cool. Very cool. My God, it was really awesome. I could have wandered around. Honestly, the room that where they did maquettes and painting and sculpt and like uh, costumes and armatures, I could have just mm -hmm. sat in that room all day and watched those people work. And that. Uh, what did you steal? <laughs> um, so many memories that I will cherish to my dying day. Do they still have some of the Coraline stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, I still have to watch Paranorman, but I still have... Uh, Carol Coraline still knocks me out. That was a cool little movie. It's it's really... I You know, I just love... <sighs> the one thing I really want to talk about, I can't because I signed an NDA. It was really cool. Was it regarding the box trolls? I can't. I signed an NDA. It was very cool. It was very cool. One thing that was really interesting is one of the last things we saw was um, we walked through the scheduling room where they mm -hmm. literally have, like, literally on the walls they have all these pieces of paper, like, today we'll be doing, like, this scene will be, will be you know, we'll put the cell together and we'll do lighting and then we'll do blocking and then we'll actually do filming. And it was just kind of cool, crazy to see all these these walls covered with all, just like this physical representation of the sheer amount of work that goes into those things. It was fascinating. It was really cool. My God. I want to, uh, Vera said she'd uh, get, let us do the tour again when they're working on their next production. I'm really excited about it. It's just well, really... Right, I think the Box Trolls comes out in less than a year, so they would be wrapping <laughs> yeah. up. Most Next November, friend. Yeah, oh, Jesus, they, yeah. 
they're going to be filming. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's, it's well, she, last time I talked to her, she said she had like wrapped up all of her duties on box trolls, which makes sense because the movie's coming out in less than a year. There's not going to be there's nothing left for pre-production stuff to do. Yeah, it's it's all just production stuff now. Yeah, you know? it was super fascinating, super cool. I'm glad that that is late. La- much like uh, 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 Beyond Two Souls, I'm just happy that that thing exists. <laughs> much mm-hmm. less anything else. <laughs> Wait, who's who's in charge of box trolls? Who like who are the who are the writers and directors? Um, there have been some changes, but right now one of the co-directors is one of my favorite um, uh, cartoonists, Graham Annable. Oh, okay. Um, okay. He's currently one of the co-directors. I'm not sure who the other one is, but he came away halfway through production or something like that. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, Graham Annable, creator of the delightful um, comic Hickey, highly recommend picking up H I C K E E. Good times. Yeah. That's my good story about the time I went to Lake, and it was a lot of fun. I looked uh, what did you think of? I still had a gross rash. And speaking uh, of Oregon-related stuff, what did you think of Sam Elliott on this week's Parks, uh, Parks and Recreation? <laughs> so fully, and I have an friend, iTunes. No, we should we should preface this with friend, friend of, of the, the podcast, podcast. Um, Sam yeah. Elliott on Parks and Recreation. So surely I've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, Sam Elliott uh, is a visitor of our of, uh, where Foley and I work quite frequently, and Foley has assisted yeah. him in a number of projects. And she and he are very fond of each other and are bros to the point where he walks into the building and goes, "Where's Foley?" and then gives her a big bear hug. So he's one of the sweetest men in the universe. I love him so much. And yeah, he showed up on the most recent episode of of Parks and Rec as Ron Dunn. And was delightful. We just watched it last night because uh, we have an iTunes yeah. subscription. And Foley and I actually both started screaming uncontrollably. Foley had to leave the house and run around the block to expend her energy and <laughs> come back inside the house before we could continue. I had no idea who was going to be on that episode because they set up the episode. Like the, they, they even make the joke in the episode. like, oh, everyone's got an evil uh, doppelganger from e- Eagleton. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder who they're gonna who Ron's uh, doppelganger is. And they cut the you know right right when I was thinking of that they cut they cut the Sam Elliott. I'm like, oh shit, Annie's gonna shit herself. It was so yeah. good. Okay. But I love the fact that like he's he's just like Ron except he's a total hippie and Ron and Ron yep. Swanson just loses his shit. Yeah, that was fantastic. So good. Oh, and that's the episode where uh, Ann Perkins uh, actually announced that she's gonna leave a uh, leave a uh, uh, Pawnee with with Chris Traeger and and and. Uh, yeah, it's all kind of sad and fucked up. Oh, Parks and Rec. That yeah. show delights me. So supposedly the ratings for that show are are taken pretty hard, though. Oh, I'm sad to hear that. Yeah, they said all, like, like NBC's entire uh, Thursday night lineup is just falling apart right now. Like, no one is watching that shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I think their highest, highest rated show is Parks and Recreation, but when no one's watching any of those shows, that doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. So. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Sam Elliott draw, brought in millions of new viewers that they never had before. The of legions course. of Sam Elliott fans out there. Well, um, just like oh my god, we this? are pretty amazing human beings. I'll just say you got to see that it's rare that you get to see on any any television show a HD close up of Sam Elliott's foot in sandals. <laughs> yes, that was that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh god, Sam. Uh, I, I, you didn't watch Cora this week either. I have not. I only watched the first episode, two episodes of Korra, and I was. You really kind of gave up on Korra, huh? I almost preferred not watching the season and just thinking about the season that's going on in my head. To be terribly frank with you, we'd have to do an iTunes subscription, and we're kind of battening down the hatches because the next couple months are going to be costly. So. Yeah. 
We only bought the essentials, which was Parks and Recreation and Adventure Time. Which I still think is funny, because Parks and Recreation, you could still watch for free broadcast. Whereas Corey, you kind of have to get his iTunes subscription unless you don't want to get cable. Um, it is this just, as, just as easy for me to watch Cora with all my friends who have cable as it is for me to watch Parks and Rec. I don't watch te- broadcast television, my friend. This week's Legend of Cora was the first episode this season where I was like, oh, that's that's something I didn't see coming. That's an interesting little plot development. Um, I may have Bolin's seen a Tumblr a movie star that now. spoiled this on me. <laughs> yeah? What's that? Which is that uh, Cora is uh, not Cora? Yeah, she has lost her memory, which that's kind of a dopey development, too. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, well, you know, again, this makes you uh, uh, similar to many other people because the Legend of Cora just this uh, was it last week's episode? Uh, there was a big announcement about how le- last week's episode of the Legend of Cora only had 1.1 million viewers, which I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. One 1.1 million viewers sounds awesome. And then I read the article, and they were pointing out that that has that is only one quarter of the viewership of the average Avatar: The Last Airbender episode. Yeah. And that is only one half the viewership of most other Korra episodes. And the yeah viewership for Legend of Korra is going down <laughs> to the point where a lot of the fandom is flipping out, wondering if maybe the next the last two seasons of the show might get canceled, or I don't know. It's 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 yeah. Legend of Korra has hit some hard times right now. Oh, Aside from quality issues. Yeah, the yeah. ratings are oof, oof, oof. It's not like Avatar Lesser Airbender was that much of a huge show to begin with. But yeah. when... Yeah, like, I I think um, this season Legend of Korra has only had, like, half the ratings of the season did last year. And even those ratings have been cut in half. So, yeah, it's... it's it's yeah, That kind of sucks, but... Oh, TV. We still love you, TV. That's and again, all aside, from, aside from The Legend of Korra itself, it still just sucks to see a TV show with a strong female lead Yeah. have such crummy ratings. I mean, it's the ratings are kind of justifiable, because like I said, this, this season of Legend of Korra hasn't been that good, but it still just, like, still sends a bad message. Yeah. Because about... the message is not going to be that this show, maybe the writing isn't that great this season, and maybe the animation is taking a tumble. The last one will be, oh, chicks, you know? Chicks. Yeah. Yeah, look, the, the, the sh- the, the, they went with a female lead, and now the show is only only as quarter as popular as it used to be. Well, to um, be fair, yeah. it's not like it didn't have a female lead before. Well, no, but Av- like, like Avatar still had Aang. Oh, that's oh no! Oh, you that, mean other than after I left Airbender? I got you. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just talking about like within this one franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and Bill, tell me about Curse of the Werewolf. Oh, Curse of the Werewolf. Uh, so uh, a couple weeks ago, when I was on Twitter asking people for suggestions for Halloween movies to watch this year, uh, I can't remember who, but someone suggested uh, Curse of the Werewolf, and that caught my attention because they were like, "Oh, it's Oliver Reed. It's Oliver Reed's first movie." And I was like, "Okay, I'm down with Oliver Reed." Yeah, so it's Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed playing a swarthy Spanish werewolf. This is a Hammer horror movie from 1961, <laughs> um, and it's. Oliver Reed becomes a werewolf just because he was born on Christmas Day. What? And so the movie's excuse for him becoming a werewolf is anyone who gets born on Christmas Day is an affront to God and is doomed to become a werewolf. Oh, man, he looks beautiful in this movie. Oh, you'd like him until he actually turns into a werewolf. That's a terrible he starts werewolf. Looking, he looks like an Ewok. It's really not the werewolf, werewolf, werewolf makeup is terrible. I don't know if the Hammer Brothers were ever really known for their great makeup. They they were always really known for their like really 
kind of gothic and kind of creepy sets and costuming and, and cinematography, but I don't know if they ever really did any really makeup-heavy stuff. It's not like Dracula movies that really require a lot of makeup or anything yeah. other than, like, fangs and stuff. But, yeah, his when he turns actually turns into a wolf man, he just, he's, he's just got this little pelt and he's got these little cute little furry ears. He really does look like he's turning into Wicket from Star Wars. It's weird um, also that they chose to make him, like, a gray werewolf. Yeah, yeah. Because well, he's a swarthy Spaniard, supposedly. Uh, what did you What did you Google? Just Oliver Reed werewolf? I just did Oliver Reed curse the werewolf. Yeah, him yeah. and his little his little frilly shirt. I'll let that happen. Oh no, but he's he's fucking fantastic as the werewolf be- before he come becomes a werewolf. Like you know, he's just kind of like mean and pissed off and stuff. But yeah, it's it's it's. Yeah, I don't know. But Foley and I never I, I watched it. Time. It's a very short movie. It's like 80 minutes long. And it's, it's really pretty to look at, like any of the Hammer Horror movies. Everything, it's it, all Hammer Horror movies tend to look like a uh, romance book cover painting come to life. Because the colors are always kind of like really kind of garish. and. I have never and... seen any Hammer films except for their Robin Hood films. <laughs> oh, yeah. One more they did make produced. my favorite terrible Robin Hood movie, Wolf's Head. Which is yeah. so good. It is so good, it's terrible. It's on YouTube. Highly recommend not watching it, because it's unwatchable. It's is actually that from the, like first the 60s? Three... Is it in color? It's in color. It was actually the first three episodes of a Robin Hood TV show they tried to make, but it didn't get picked up, yeah. so they just edited it together into a movie. So there are characters that only get introduced like a third of the way through and then get dropped. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's so good. Oh, well, yeah, no, I didn't realize. Yeah, they really were doing Robin Hood movies all while they were doing all the horror movies. That's yeah, they crazy. Did three, I, no idea. I think three different Robin Hood movies. They did that one, and I can I haven't seen one. I've only seen two out of three. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Hammer horror movies are all perfect either. They're more at, they're more atmospheric than they are necessarily good. Um, they're, they're kind of remarkable for being the first spate of horror movies that actually kind of consistently showed a lot of blood and violence. Yeah. Because before that, like, you had the, like, the universal horror movies where everything was black and white and everything, all the violence was kind of suggested. I mean, this is, this Curse of the Werewolf movie, 1961, I mean, you actually get to see, like, uh, sheeps with their throats torn out, but the blood is all, like, poster paint movie blood, where it's, you know, it doesn't look anything, like, even vaguely realistic, but it's, there is quite to be seen in high def. Yeah, there's quite a bit of blood and stuff, though, For even if it is kind of cartoonish fake blood, but, yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, the Hammer movies are an interesting link between, like, the black and white universal horror movies and, like, the, like, 60s and 70s, like, super realistic violence of, like, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead yeah. and all that shit, so. So, Bill, uh, tell me about else? Wind Waker HD. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, listener Monica, she just asked me from uh, from my impressions about it. I had, uh, Because I had been spending all months uh, playing Grand Theft Auto V, I had no time to play Wind Waker. But I did fire it up for a couple hours last night. I got to Dragon Roost Island, which means I unlocked the King of Red Lion's ship, which is the little talking boat that you ride throughout the whole game. And it's really pretty. It's The music is great. The, the games just looks really good in HD. You, you've never played any of the Zelda games, huh? I've played like 15 minutes of a Zelda. I think the Super Nintendo Zelda. Yeah, this is a good Zelda game to play, uh, just because it's so pretty. Like, like if I ever had to suggest a Zelda game for you to check out sometime, Wind Waker would probably be a pretty good um, game because, well, also just that you're you're uh, you're you're setting out to save your sister. She gets kidnapped, so you're not even worried about Zelda at first. It's just all about rescuing your sister who gets kidnapped. Uh, so that's kind of for Zelda. That's kind of a unique story setup. But uh, yeah, no, it just looks really pretty. I wish I had more to report because, like I said, it, it's it's just kind of like the same game from from you know ten years ago, but just prettied up. Um, 
Some of the camera controls are really wonky because the camera, it's not. I'm going straight from GTA Five, which is you know a super recent third-person game, to Zelda: uh, The Wind Waker, which is a ten-year-old third-person action game. It's just like just basic like the like the camera just isn't quite as as good or dynamic as in GTA. It's right. it's uh, the, some of the some of the rough edges around uh, in Wind Waker just feel a little bit rougher just by virtue of coming off from GTA 5 into Wind Waker. It's still not bad or anything, but um, it's a little unfortunate. I wish they had spent more time on um, working on this remake um, because I wish they had... They retextured everything in HD, but all the character models are still their old uh, GameCube models. So, like, characters are supposed to have round heads. Don't really have round heads. They just have kind of, like, almost like paper craft. Like, you can see all the polygons and stuff. Yeah. That's a little crude. I wish they had spent some time kind of refining some of the the, the character modeling and, and stuff just to make it look a little more uh, polished. But it's 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 not bad. It's just more Zelda again. I'm sure I'll have more to talk about in the weeks to come as I actually delve further into the game because I'm, I'm I'm only like two or three hours in. But you know, it's, it's it's nice and pretty. I got to see my first Wind Waker sunset, which is gorgeous. Aww. And that's. Well, the, whole, the, whole, the whole question of these remakes is like, what how, what do you do? Like, especially with a 3D game, it's like, how far do you go in? What tweaks do you make? What do you do to make it appealing to a modern palette without, you know, un like, not making the original game? You know? Well, it's interesting because Nintendo came out this week and admitted that they actually put this remake together in less than six months. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and, which makes sense because I wonder. It seems like they once they realized the Wii U was not going to be that strong in sales, they realized they needed at least some kind of Zelda for the Wii U this this Christmas, even if it wasn't the new Zelda. And so it seems like really on like like maybe last February they went, oh shit, maybe we should. They just kind of looked at their library. What's what's the easiest thing we could port over to the Wii U very quickly? Yeah. And I guess they just picked up uh, Wind Waker just because it has the simplest textures and stuff would be the easiest game to port over. But, uh, yeah, I wish they had an extra six months to really kind of polish it up. So it was like, so it actually felt like a modern-day game. Because it still yeah. feels like a 10-year-old game that's just been pretty up a little bit. But it's not the end of the world, though. But, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's something to play on the Wii U, which is a rare thing these days. Exactly. So. It gives you a reason to blow the six inches of dust off the top of your Wii U. Yeah. Although, man, the Super Mario Brothers game that's coming out next month actually does look pretty badass, though. Yeah? Yeah. It has invisible pipes. You get to play as Princess Peach. For the first time since Super Mario Brothers 2. That's pretty great. Yeah, so. What else? What else? That's it. Friends, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back for the Geek Week in Review. Today, October 13th, is the four-year anniversary of Uncharted 2 coming out. This has been a lengthy console generation. My god, four years? Four years since Uncharted 2? How fucked up is that? Four years. That's for Uncharted 2, not even just Uncharted 1. And how long the wait was it between Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2? This is, like... This this shows how how long this goddamn console generation has gone on. Well, Bill, Mary Drakemas, and a blessed Drakemas to you, my friend. 
Yeah. Woo! Still it's also one of the best of this generation, too. What's it's that? October. It's a October day. It's October 13th is, is like Brutal Legend Day, my friend. I forgot about that, too. Yeah, I'm going to shut up and not make fun of... <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. No, no one cared about Brutal Legend on the day it actually came out. Why would anyone care about it two Was it been two years since Brutal Legend came out? October 13th. I can't remember what year it was. Maybe man. I should fire up Brutal Legend and try to play more of more than the 15 minutes of it I ever actually played. I still, I really did drop 60 bucks on the game and played it for about an hour and a half. I really enjoy all of Brutal Legend that's not the real-time strategy stuff. I did you love wandering game? around that world. I liked the, the third-person action sort of stuff. I love See, I cannot... This- I never even got to the third. I never even got to the RTS stuff because the third-person action stuff was so badly put together. It was it was really difficult to play. I got to the part. I got I, I got to the part where you have to fight the spiders that are like laying guitar strings or something like that. And I was like, oh man, this 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 feels like playing a it's like playing a Nintendo 64 game just See, in terms I of the controls. I beat that while not looking at the screen because I'm so scared yeah. of spiders, and I beat that, it. So that's pretty bad. When you beat you beat the spider part that I couldn't get past, not because I was scared of spiders, just because I didn't want to play the game anymore. I still want, like I love the soundtrack for the game. I love love the way the game looked. I love the idea. Just man, well, how how is it we're suddenly slagging on Brutal Legend? We should be talking about how awesome it's Uncharted October thirteenth. We're talking about Uncharted two. Uncharted two. I will say, you know, I know you want to do the games of the generation podcast, and I keep pushing yeah! back on it because I'm not interested in it. But Uncharted two is my game of this this console generation easily. Bill's pointedly silent. <laughs> Or did your video just pop out? Oh man, can I just be? Can I just ramble on about Uncharted Two and just? Oh wait, no, your video's back. Hello. Can you not hear me at all? Okay, then I'm just gonna go on a bit. Uncharted Two, back, yeah. Uncharted Two is the best. No, I can hear you. Okay, prick. <laughs> Uncharted Two is the best. I love Uncharted Two, dude. Come on, Chloe. Chloe's the character of this generation. Come on, I love Drake. I love Sully. Love Elena. I love. I love the the war like the, the the fucking set pieces in that game are the best set pieces of any video game I have ever played. Like I was, oh, that's just my favorite. Being in that building as it's like you're fi- you're having a gunfight in a building as it's collapsing. Oh my god! And the like with the, train. the train sequence and the train crash. Like these are the, some of the best moments I have ever well, had the, playing a video game. Even the opening where you're climbing up a train that's dangling off the side of the cliff. Yeah, the in media and res aspect of it. Oh, I, I forgot your shot too, dude. Yeah, and then your 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 pal Tenzin, you're walk, you're running around with. Yeah. And, yeah press 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 triangle to pet uh, yak. Yeah. I'll just walking tears in just, a jar. Come on. Yeah, just in that whole point. Oh, the tears in the jar. Yeah, just even the ending of that game. God, that is. Uncharted 2 still may be the best action game as movie ever made. Yeah, uh, it's my I favorite know, game we, of this generation. Playing that we, game on my friend's high-definition projection TV, and yeah. like the sequence where you're, where you're going through the, the um, icy cave with Tenzin, yeah. and the camera shifts as you're crawling, climbing up the wall, and then one of the, the Yeti creatures like turns and shifts away. was my favorite jump, dumb jump scare of anything in the world. <laughs> so good. I just love Well, actually, even that scene where you're going through the ice caverns and you're like all this like snow-covered, like Nepalese machinery of the big yeah. temple that you're going through just looked very cool and huge and vast and god damn that was such a great game man so good. I, was, 
Uncharted 2. Oh, so nice. Yeah, I forgot about Chloe too, man. That's not. I can never. That kind of I close my eyes and I see Uncharted Chloe. 3 about how. Oh man, Chloe. that was a good game. I can't believe that was four years ago too. Especially crazy considering most video game console generations are only five years long. Yeah. And we're almost that far removed from the second iteration of a uh, of a sequel. Oh god, that's it's that's nuts. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, Bill. Happy Mary birthday, Drake. Uncharted. I'm gonna make a little cupcake and put a candle on it just for you today. <laughs> One of the best God games bless ever. Us once more. Once uh, more. Man, I, man, I hope that man. I hope Tomb Raider. Then when they make the next Tomb Raider game, I hope it's as at least nearly as good as Uncharted 2 was. That, that that's a great thing to kind of shoot for. Yeah. As I much mean, as I love Tomb Raider. Like, if they had more characters that were more interesting, like, in, in yeah. Uncharted 2, man, fuck. Ah! A best-case scenario, beyond the fact that Uncharted 2 is, I think, one of my favorite games of all time, that a best-case scenario for um, Tomb Raider would be an Uncharted 2 type of scenario, which is just that Uncharted 2 was basically looking at everything in Uncharted 1 and figuring out what just were the best it. elements and then amplifying yeah. that. Like, the, the set pieces were all astounding and then introducing new characters that you actually cared about and, you know... Not focusing too much on the MacGuffin, just letting the MacGuffin happen, and and really focusing on moments and people in those moments. That yeah. was where Tomb Raider failed. Tomb Raider had good set pieces. I did like Lara, but yeah. I could care less about anyone else in that world. I, I liked Sam, but only because the game wanted me very badly to like Sam. Like yeah. not, And I'm very easily manipulated. So I, I would like a Tomb Raider game where I actually gave a shit about anyone in the world who's not Lara Croft. Yeah. So hopefully they have the time and budget to, to make kind of Uncharted 2 leap to something as good as, as that with the next uh, Tomb Raider Oh game. boy, what a leap yeah. that is. That's a... That's a uh, what? Do you... What you I'm assuming... Do you, I mean, do you think we'll hear about a Uncharted 4 within the next year? A next-gen oh, Uncharted 4? Absolutely. Dude. I mean, I know that team has has been pretty quiet, and it'd be crazy not to have a new Uncharted. What the hell would that be about, though? Well, Uncharted Four. Just my boyfriend Nathan Drake just ordering pizza and chilling out on the sofa. I still want a tutorial of an Uncharted game being you just climbing, uh, just just uh. Well, who who's your who's not Chloe? Who's the other lady? Elena. <laughs> I just, I just want, I still just want uh, a future Uncharted game for the tutorial to be you're at Elena's parents' house at Christmas, putting up the Christmas lights, and so that's 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 how you that's that's how you like press X to climb, press you know do the you know that that that'd be very cute, uh you know making an Uncharted tutorial stage is something kind of mundane and uh kind of funny like that. Take that, put that up your ass, David Cage. Uh, that's a great idea. Was, and Annie just walked away. Maybe she thought my idea was so good. Did you have to go? What did you do? I actually had to go take my pills, but also I hate you. So <laughs> I take antibiotics so the rash won't spread to my eyes. So the, the fact that I forgot Elena's name, did that drive you to uh, booze? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To drink it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I realized I had to be healthy enough to beat the shit out of you next time I see you. So... Uh, I, let's put it this way. I just hope they replace all the female characters for, un, for Uncharted for the next game. Because those characters are so boring and uninteresting. As what if the next game you're just playing as Cutter? Is that good? Oh, I'm big on Team Cutter, my friend. 
Yeah. This, the, the, you know what? You could. You know what? If if they actually wanted to do a spinoff of Uncharted, and if they wanted to get away from the Indiana Jones thing, if they did like an urban, almost like you could almost do like like a Assassin's Creed urban. Jason Bourne, James Bond thing with Cutter running no, around no, England. No, 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 no. See, that's not it at all. What I want yeah. is a spinoff that's Chloe having much more of the shady adventures with her sidekick, Cutter. That's what I want. I want mm. Cutter to be the Elena of the Chloe spinoff. That's, <laughs> that's what a I great want. idea. Oh, yeah. Anyway, 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 yeah. Um, uncharted, so, uncharted, uncharted, uncharted. As Bill mentioned earlier, declining ratings for Legend of Korra. This last weekend's episode drew 1.1 million viewers, which is about a third of the audience than most first season episodes had, and only about a quarter of the viewership of the average Avatar Last Airbender episode. Yikes. We discussed that. So, so yeah. Uh, Do you have anything else to speak on that point? Uh, no, just the fact that, like, uh, the, the show is probably being canceled next week because Annie did not buy it on iTunes. <laughs> well, if we had had one more iTunes subscription, that would have swayed my thoughts, but... Annie refused to put her money where her mouth is when it comes to the strong female characters in, in God TV damn it. Show. And now you make me feel bad for not buying Remember Me. Uh, next week's know? episode, though, it's supposed to be a double episode. It's supposed to be where the original animation team comes back and is, is also the uh, two episodes that explain the origins of the original Avatar. Oh, that'd be cool. So it should be pretty cool. So, um, Gabriel Knight two remake. Bill, it's not a Gabriel Knight two make remake. It's Gabriel Knight one remake. Wait, what's is there a Gabriel Knight two? Yes, there were three Gabriel, three Gabriel Knight name games. I wouldn't even know this existed unless because you tweeted about it. What the hell's Gabriel Knight and why should we care? And what's the remake about? So Gabriel Knight, it is the twentieth anniversary of Gabriel Knight. So this is the twentieth yeah. anniversary remake. Um, so Gabriel Knight was a series of adventure games from Sierra, um, home of Police Quest and uh, King's Quest and all that, um, and it was a, a kind of paranormal mystery series about this guy named Gabriel Knight, who run, is an, a mystery novelist and runs a bookstore with uh, this woman named Grace in New Orleans. So it's Castle Meets Black Books. <laughs> sure. Gabriel finds out that he is a Schottenjäger or Shadow Hunter, um, that he is, uh, has a bloodline that goes back to the time of Christ. We learn in Gabriel Knight 3 that one of his, the reason why they are the Schattenjägers is that they, uh, his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great, etc., etc., grandfather was one of the centurions, and in fact um. the centurion that pierced the side of Christ. Yeah, spoilers everybody. And has been using the Spear of uh, Destiny... <laughs> As a uh, toothpick. For exactly. The last 5, so Gabriel years, yeah. is this kind of shitheel womanizer author in New Orleans and finds out that he is linked to this, uh, that he has this blood, like this duty by blood to uh, help fight evils of the world. And that he has, I can't even remember what the hell the mystery is in the first um, uh, Gabriel Knight game is. But the second one is about, uh, in the second one, you go back to Germany, where his family is from, and... Uh, uh, is that the werewolf one? Yes. The second one, I really want them to remake. I've heard Justin McElroy go off about how much he loves that game, despite the fact that supposedly it's fucking terrible. It's terrible. Even at the time, okay. as a young person playing, loving adventure games, I was like, this is pretty bad. The first one is, I remember really enjoying. It was, um, because it had, you know, Grace is an interesting character. I think you... Or did you only play her in the second and third? Anyway, uh, I liked the story. It was all about voodoo in New Orleans, and I thought it was kind of cool. Okay. And I enjoyed the mystery in, in Gabriel Knight. Oh, his, he, he was voiced by Tim Curry at the time, doing a terrible 
uh, Louisiana accent. It's so good. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I, I kind of liked the art direction a little bit. It, it was very, uh, really probably why I liked it is that it was a, I, my, my primary adventure games at the time. I didn't like really any of these Sierra games. It just didn't appeal to me. Like the, the what is it, not Galaxy Quest, like the... Um, the space quest games didn't appeal to me and all that, but yeah. I liked Gabriel Light because it, it was just kind of, there were a lot of mystery adventure games at the time, but that was the one that appealed to me the most, even though I don't necessarily like paranormal stuff. Anyway, I'm getting neither here nor there. The sequel is a full motion video game uh, where Gabriel is goes back to Germany to discover more about his Diego heritage and meets mm-hmm. a um, gay Bavarian werewolf. Oh, no, 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 no. He's just a werewolf. And there's tinges of homosexuality between them. And but what is what's really kind of great is that it's about Mad King Ludwig and his castle, his beautiful castle. And it take some of it takes place in that castle. And it turns is out is that the cartoonishly perfect looking castle of all yes. we've seen pictures of? Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Like he was this very sweet, sad, crazy guy, and he had this beautiful castle, and with all these murals in it. And the the in the game he was a werewolf. And mm-hmm. the um, ca- the murals have all all the stuff that are about like secret werewolf stuff, and there was this opera to cure his his lycanthropy, and it's like it's I can't remember much of it other than it was ridiculous and fun. And then the third game is all 3D, like the Game Real Night series. You see the whole like the whole run of video game history, 2D sprite based, FMV. 3D using like the Quake engine or something. Um, the third game is about uh, vampires and the bloodline of Christ. So, so if they made a new game all night right now, it'd have to be a uh, first-person shooter military. Bullshit. Well, no. In, Call of in Duty the Gabriel, as I recall, Gabriel Knight Three was kind of weird in that, whereas in most 3D video games, you kind of control the character through the environment, and it's essentially like an over-the-shoulder ca- camera sort of thing, or yeah. a fixed camera game where you then control your character through the environment. As I recall, in Gabriel Knight 3, the camera was un- was not fixed, so you just you're just it's a first essentially a first-person game that you can manipulate, go through the environment, and then depending on your character is just kind of wandering through the environment. Oh, so you recall. can kind of follow them around. Yeah, or no, you but can know what you want. And well, that's what I'm saying, but like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was kind of strange. So you're kind like, of like hanging out with Gabriel Knight, but you're kind of exploring by yourself if you wanted to a little bit too, then. Yeah. As far as like your perspective. Yeah, it was weird. Huh. It was very that's strange. actually kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. So yeah. but what's kind of cool is I think, I didn't read too much into it, frankly, but I think it sounds like um, uh, Jane Jensen, who is the creator of Gabriel Knight and the creative lead on all those games, had done a Kickstarter a while ago to start her own studio and do hidden object games. It was no good. But uh, I think she it's her studio doing it. So it's cute that she's handling duties. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited that some of these old adventure games are coming back and, and are playable again. Like the Monkey Island games is great to revisit them. Uh, Broken Sword, as much as the remake was terrible, no good. I was happy to see. Man, I bought Broken again. Sword for the DS, and that was good times. Oh man, it was so they totally neutered half the fun things from the original game, and they awkwardly shoehorned in a prologue that didn't make any sense. That was my first Broken Sword game. I still have a good time with it. Yeah, that's the important part. So anyway, I'm just happy that Gabriel Knight will be introduced to a new generation. Bill, I like your fan. Uh, for viewers at home, uh, 
This is my Animal Crossing fan. I just forgot I had. I just found. I'm doing that <laughs> in my Isabel icon. I'm very Animal Crossing up today. Anyway, go. sorry. Go ahead. This makes for really good radio. Let's see. Next yeah. point. Oh yeah, Gone Home. Uh, the Fulbright Company announced they're gonna have commentary, a free DLC of commentary for Gone Home. Pretty fucking cool. I'm chuffed about this. Uh, I want to make a joke about that, but I can't think of anything funny to say. This is the front door. This is how you get in the house. You Are you kidding? I'm, everyone wants to hear the compelling backstory of the Christmas deck, my friend. It's going to be good. Have they said when that's coming out? Uh, they're still, I think, they're hoping soonish. Uh, Steve okay. was posting about how um, they still have to do audio with the voiceover actress. Was um, that, uh, what, the voice actress for what uh, the main character? Not, mm-hmm. not not the sister, but the person you play as, right? Katniss Everdeen or whatever her name was? You're... So was it like Charlie Greenbrier? Charlie? What was the, what was the main character's name from uh, Gone Home? You're, well, you're you're playing as uh, Mr. Katie. That's what you're, it is. So you're playing as Katie Green. You're trying to find Sam. Yeah. Oh, did you see the guy who's going to play Fifty Shades of Grey dropped out? What are you talking about? I did... <laughs> so they're making a Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Uh-huh. I don't even know. This is what I get. I have a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, so I have the inside scoop. This is going <laughs> to turn in the inside scoop of what, I, what Bill read in Entertainment Weekly podcast for the <laughs> This as the Boy Howdy podcast enters its second 100 episode generation, <laughs> it suddenly turns into Entertainment Weekly discussion podcast. Um, so they're making Fifty Shades of Shade in a movie, and the guy who's going to play Fifty Shades of Grey fa- dropped out at the end. So I'm still in the running. I don't remember this man's name or anything. This is just you know, no, guys just taking to look at the guy from the thing. Supposedly, I think he was the guy from Pacific Rim. Oh, okay. He was one of like three or four bland white guys in Pacific Rim. I can't remember if they're talking about the main white guy, the Australian bland white guy. Um, but yeah, so why would you turn down a role where you get to spank someone on in, in a movie for money? That guy's out of his mind. Probably because then for the rest of his career he'd be that guy who's in that movie where he spanked another person. So now he could just be that guy who was the bland guy in Pacific Rim for the rest of his life. Oh, man. Anyway, what else? What else? What else? Rest in peace, Mr. Little Jeans. Uh, yeah, was it Kumar... What, what, what's the guy's actual name? Uh, Kumar Palana. He was uh, one of Wes Anderson's bit players that was in most of his movies. He played Mr. Little Jeans in Rushmore. Uh, he was this little ancient old Indian guy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how Wes Anderson... Uh, how he wound up meeting Wes Anderson, but uh, he played a crack safer who was not a very good crack safer in Bottle Rocket. He played um, Royal Tenenbaum's assistant in the Royal Tenenbaum's. He stabs Gene Hackman in Royal Tenenbaum's. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, he was in most of uh, that dude's movies, and he was really cool. And, yeah, he was an ancient little dwarf of a guy ten years ago when we was in all these movies, and he just finally died at the age of 94 this week. So everyone's super, super sad. And he was not, like, a professional actor. He was just, like, this little, little, weird little old Indian guy. Who just happened to be in these movies that everyone just loved. He was very kind of cute and funny. And, yeah. Well, rest he in was, peace, Mr. Little Jeans. He did. He, he, he got a uh, case of being old. Nine lost episodes of Doctor Who have been found in a TV station in Nigeria. 
So what do you think about this? Tell us which episodes these are and which ones are your favorite. That's actually kind of interesting because a lot of there's a lot of early television that's you know lost to history because no one kept the tapes and things were yeah. reused and recorded over. So that's kind of great. Did they find? Yeah, supposedly tapes? the same thing happened to the Avengers because the same production, the same people that were, were making Doctor Who back in the day were also making the Avengers. So supposedly there's a lot lot of lost uh, episodes of the Avengers too. But yeah, so the BBC went like back in the '60s, back when they were still doing black and white stuff, they would videotape something, broadcast it, then immediately turn around and like tape next week's episodes of some other TV show onto those videotapes. And the only reason a lot of these episodes have survived is because uh, copies of those recordings were then sent out to BBC uh, stations all around the world, which is how a lot of the old Doctor Who episodes have survived, because most of those episodes got erased at the BBC headquarters in, in London. Mm. But... Yeah, this whatever. This sounds episodes. like a scam email, though. This Hello, kind of... I have nine copies of Doctor Who in my station in Nigeria. Please wire one million dollars. <laughs> it's just the black guy dressed up as all these different Doctor Who characters, like in this black and white like uh, iMac uh, video filter on his iPhone, going, "Yes, I am Doctor Who. I'm a Dalek. <laughs> Pay me one million dollars." Well, especially yeah, when you're talking about these, these are just happy happen to be found at a bank uh, TV station in Nigeria. Just the, invoking the name Nigeria already kind of causes some kind of suspicion, but yeah. yeah so yeah, the, I guess it's nine episodes, random kind of seems kind of random episodes from the Second Doctor era. Um, it's I think it's one complete series, like one like like I think five of them are five episodes complete uh, are one complete story. I think the other four are four parts of. Uh, another story that it's still missing one series, so it kind of fills in some gaps in Doctor Who, but not 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 a ton. But yeah, it's but you know, but nine episodes is better than nothing. That's true, and it's just interesting to have like this part of this show and this canon now restored. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So they said there's still like 90 episodes left missing, though. I'll believe it, dude. Fuck up. Oof. And other yeah, news, the New York Comic Con hijacked over 500 Twitter accounts to promote the convention. Yeah, did you see this? Did you see the tweets that people were sending out? They were the so, most like, I love the New York City Comic Con, so much awesome! Yeah, so the, the to register you had the option of linking your social media account to your registration. Which no one is ever going to do again as a result of this. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, the New York City Comic Con, they sent out, they used that authorization to send out tweets as if they were from the person whose account was being, you know, used. Yeah, yeah. and just to say random things, yeah, like, I love New York City Comic Con, what a good time I was having. Yeah, it was very, it wasn't quite a lull speak, but it was certainly not terribly professional in and terms of Obviously, it wasn't a mistake because this is obviously set up to happen. It's not like this was, oops, an accident. We didn't mean for this to happen. They obviously planned this to happen. They just didn't realize that people would get pissed off when they found out their Twitter accounts had been hijacked. It's just interesting because that just seems like so... It's one thing to have the option to post from a website, and it's your choice like to have some sort of stock language that they can you can choose to post. Like, I just registered for the New York City Comic Con. But it's very different to have things that are presented as if they're in that person's voice. And to think that, yeah. that would be okay, that no one would care I, or notice. Well, even their apology for this wasn't even really as much of an apology as much as they came out and said, well, everyone who opted into this, we feel bad that they are upset. They shouldn't be angry because now we've stopped it. But there was no like real formal apology. It was all pretty much kind of like almost like blaming the Twitter people, uh, who the people whose accounts were were were, were hacked 
for kind of like opting into this, even though like it, it was, I guess their option to opt into this was like buried in all the like you know the paperwork they had to sign up when they were signing up for this. But very when shady. You, when you when you authorize anything on Twitter, it it says I mean this is what you do to like post to link your Twitter app on your device to Twitter. Yeah. You know you have, there are all these options where it's like it can see who you follow, it can post tweets for you, but no one the understanding is that you don't actually. That means like yeah, when I play Tiny Towers, I can with... post about my new floor or something like that. Yeah, the fact that anyone at the Comic Con thought <laughs> this would be a good idea and that people will not be upset is just insane. That's this is the also part the same Comic Con where they also leaked a bunch of personal uh, personal information, email and personal uh, uh, home address information a couple weeks ago. Uh, they were just like broadcasting that over the internet, like people's like home home information. And I saw something else too. Supposedly this weekend. Uh, while the New York Comic Con is actually going on right now, there's been a some team, some some like almost like Mega sixty four video team running around the show floor, fucking with all the female cosplayers. Yeah, I saw about that. That is not okay. It's clearly and everyone's of... been complaining to the New York City Comic Con enforcers, saying, "Hey, you got to get these guys out of here." And supposedly New York Comic Con's not doing anything about that. So uh, all those three things just make it sound like New York. I've I've, I've heard. People have had tons of problems with New York Comic Con in the past couple years ago. Their air conditioning broke down. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And so everyone was, like, roasting to death, and it just seems like New York Comic Con's like a piece of shit. Which so. is a shame, because this is the comic convention that currently, even now, has Zoe Bell at it. <laughs> really? Zoe Bell is there. What is she there for? What's, 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 what is She's she? there pushing her upcoming movie, Rays. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is it about... Pay raises? Who are forced to uh, fight each other to the death in order to escape. In New York City Comic Con? <laughs> yes, it's about the comic convention, actually. Okay. No, but yeah, no, and, this and, video... Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, we're not going to talk about any more about New York City Comic Con. Fuck those guys. Foxconn duped a bunch of college kids into working the PS4 production lines as part of an internship. Yeah! So, uh... In conjunction with the New York City Comic Con, Foxconn, the evil corporation that makes everyone's uh, computer stuff in China, they tend to do fucked up shit. This is not the first time they've done this. I've heard this. This is how they actually operate quite a bit in that they will lure college kids to the factory saying, hey, if you want to intern with us, we'll give you some free college credit. And once the college kids show up, they're like, okay, you're going to spend the next six months like just packing up stuff. Like with the stuff, like we're gonna we're essentially gonna put you to work. Doesn't matter what you think you're supposed to be doing or whether or not your job will have anything to do with what it is that you're supposed to be studying for a credit uh, for your school. We're just gonna put you on like on the production line. We're gonna have you just boxing up goods. It's essentially it's almost slave labor for the duration of their internship. And if they try to if they try to escape, then they say, well, we're we're gonna refuse your college credit, and then you're not Jeez. then you can't essentially graduate from college without this college credit. And so supposedly they've done 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 this with a whole bunch of college kids, specifically trying to ramp up staffing to make uh, PlayStation fours in time for launch next yeah. month. Gross, dude. So gross. Will that cut? Will that keep us from pre-ordering uh, our PlayStation fours? Thank Hell God, no. though, that that kept the price hundred dollars lower than the Xbox One. So this is true. If God. if if two hundred uh, college kids in China have to be forced into slave labor in a 
uh, at Foxconn. It's worth it if it means you get I get to play Flower in 60 frames per second next month. I've mentioned lately that our problems are bullshit problems <laughs> compared to actual humans that exist on Earth. I don't know. Bill's got chronic headaches and you've got a melting boob. <laughs> So we actually do have slight problems. Even for white people, we're kind of we've been kind of jacked up lately. <laughs> we kind of need our video games to take our minds off our other issues. Oh, um, you're yep. gay. You're not allowed to get married. I'm fat, and I can't fit into size eight jeans. So we're both oppressed. And that was the Boy Hattie Podcast. As always, we're boyhattiepodcast.com at boyhattiepodcast on oh. Twitter. You can shout at us um, by uh, sending us uh, using the contact form on our website, and you can even get send us gift certificates. It turns out uh, for money, <laughs> like uh, our favorite listener Sean Baker did. So yeah, Sean say, Baker. Oh my God, I still I need to get more of that crack and rum left us here. That I was gonna say. Too. So he has. I don't want to you know say anything here, guys, but he bought us rum. And uh, gave us money. So uh, you guys are all looking kind of kind of not so great right now, friends. You know what have, what have y'all done for us lately? That's what awesome. we can't complain about anything. We we got people like Sean Baca got our backs. We got nothing to complain about. That's true, my friend. Our lives ain't nothing but sunshine, skittles, and titties. Adam, you should or Annie, you should have spent your money on a metal gel, metal gel pack for your boob. <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Just right, smack friend. it on there. Please! We're going to take um, a break next week. Well, we'll be back. We'll... Yeah, I'm going to go out to Texas yeah, and watch and my sister we'll... get hitched. But we'll be back two yeah. weeks from now for our 100th uh, two-year anniversary. We have no idea what we're going to be doing, if we're going to be doing anything special. It's going to be the podcast before Halloween, so I don't know if it's going to be a Halloween-y thing. Greg I keep writing that, that our 100th episode. On, he wanted to come on and interview us for our 100th episode. Who did? Grumpy Turtle. Our oh, second time, I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and well, I keep on threading that we'll, one of our new episodes, like Annie, you, said, you mentioned before, will be a Game of the Generation podcast, even though Annie's completely not interested in that. And I've already admitted my Game of the Generation is Mass Effect Trilogy anyway, so I guess there's not a hell of a lot to talk about. Yeah, I just said mine is Uncharted 2, so boom, we're done. Yeah, we're done, that's it, we had our Game of the Generation uh, podcast right there. That's a good episode, dude. Okay, so we'll be back on the 27th then. Yeah, friends, we'll talk to you in a little bit. Okay, Merry Christmas. Bye!